Welcome to the Student Affairs Spectacular, the weekly podcast giving you a front row seat to the greatest student affairs show on earth. And now your ringmasters, Tom Kriegelstein and Dustin Ramsdell. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this episode of the Student Affairs Spectacular podcast. Dustin here, and this is episode number 89 with Jennifer Keegan. We're talking about midlife career choices, uh, what goes into sort of deciding where we uh, dig our feet in in terms of locations and the types of jobs and what's important to us, our values, how we make decisions just about things that are, you know, are in our lives when we're at kind of the mid-life, mid-career point. Just another uh, interesting kind of topic that uh, falls in the category, like with me, I've uh, had the episode about other duties as a sign, just kind of a, a unique little uh, focused look uh, that kind of has some big implications and um, just some really great advice uh, from Jennifer, from her experience, and just really appreciate her sharing her story and her feelings and all that stuff. So I um, hope you enjoy this episode. Um, public service announcement, though, real quick. Uh, next week, the episode that posts will be our season finale for season two. I'll be taking a little bit of a break until uh, January uh, just to give us some time to relax over the holidays. So um, we'll let you know when the uh, start of season three will be. Um, it should be uh, right in the middle of January. We'll get new episodes uh, starting then and every week after that for season three. So more awesome stuff to come for the podcast here. Appreciate everyone who's been listening and uh, making our first full calendar year here uh, for season two, really just an awesome hallmark year and just really pleased with the audience that we've got and um, just the all the guests that have given their time and all the great advice that they've gave, given. But but uh, we will get more into that next week for sure. Um, just everything that's been going on with the podcast and our lives. So uh, look forward to that. And after this quick word about our awesome sponsor, this is episode number 89 with Jennifer Keegan. All right. And before we get into the episode, I want to give a quick shout out to our sponsor, the National Center for Student Life, which hosts the National Conference on Student Leadership coming up next November 19th to the 22nd in Washington, D.C. Since 1978, NCSL has trained thousands of students and advisors in heart-centered, values-based leadership skills designed to help drive transformative change within the individual. And I've personally spoken at NCSL for the past five years, and I've seen firsthand how the NCSL conference helps students and advisors apply learning to address real challenges both on their campus and in their community through the NCSL Call to Action program. NCSL truly brings together the country's best leadership presenters into one place to give both the students and advisors a life-changing experience. And I'm always, I'm always blown away at the level of value received from their conferences. Also, I should note that NCSL was the first to offer students the opportunity to earn a digital badge to document their leadership development. So if you're looking for a national leadership conference to attend, I highly, I can't highly more recommend checking out NCSL at nationalcenterforstudentlife.com. That's nationalcenterforstudentlife.com. With that, let's get this show on the road. So yeah, so I guess I don't know what's uh, big on your plate right now as we uh, approach the Thanksgiving holiday. I don't know how things are uh, going over there. Yeah, well, um, we are frantically trying to put something together, some some items together to try to show students that uh, we're listening and that we realize there's been a lot of upheaval um, on lots of college campuses, specifically Ithaca is really close to us. Mm -hmm. Ithaca College is only 45 minutes away. So just trying to be proactive in terms of letting students know that, because I'm part of the Dean of Students office, that... All of the offices within the Dean Students Office are here to listen, and, and you know if there are ideas for programming that students want to do and that kind of thing, and just trying to be out there and uh, trying to do it before they go away for mm-hmm. Thanksgiving. So, gotcha. Yeah. yeah, that's good though. I mean, just really kind of opening yourselves up because I've uh, mm-hmm. been to some places that do that well, and other places that. <laughs> don't so it's good to well, like and with yeah. campus activities it's always hard because we always feel like we're the ones that are put upon to you know retroactively try to <laughs> program for something that has happened mm-hmm. whereas we like to you know have put on events and formed relationships with students before things you know ever i guess get bad or, or whatever you want to say there but um yeah so sometimes 
sometimes that can be <laughs> difficult. Mm-hmm. But you know, you do what you can because if our administration wants some, you know, programming done, then absolutely, we're we're a part of that. We're ready for that. Cool. Um, yeah, and I guess maybe we can talk a little bit more about that and kind of your role and how it fits into your institution. But um, so we'll we'll start formally as we always do um, with your introductions and your story of how you get to be where you are today. Okay, cool. So I'm Jennifer Keegan. I am currently the Associate Director for Campus Activities at Binghamton University. Um, Binghamton is part of the SUNY system, and we're about, I don't know, five minutes from the Pennsylvania border. So we're an upstate, but um, we're south of Syracuse and that kind of thing. Um, I, my story. So um, I was on the programming board when I was in college and the way that that went down there was a Wednesday coffee house series because this was the early 90s and mm. so um, acoustic sets and that kind of thing were big and I would go every single Wednesday and I would go by myself because it was in um, a food establishment so mm. it wasn't that big a deal to go by myself but eventually one of the people who, who was putting this on said hey I noticed you're here every week by your, you know every week by yourself and I'm like loser and they're like no that's not what we mean we just <laughs> I've noticed that you're interested in this and that you come all the time and I didn't know if you had any interest in maybe working with me for the rest of the year and then you know you could maybe be on the programming board and, and put this kind of thing on next year and, I, and it like blew me away because that's not something I had ever thought about and I've learned since then that I'm highly suggestive if somebody face to face asks me to do something, I'm probably going to consider it five times more than like, you know, right. whatever. So uh, I worked with him the rest of the semester and then I was the coffee house chair and then kind of just moved up from there. And then I was the vice president and uh, then I was the president of the programming board. So um, I, I realized that I really liked the administrative end of it. I liked working with the other people on the programming board and, um, you know, even though I wasn't always doing the exact programming, I was getting to facilitate the larger picture and the brainstorms and, you know, keeping everybody together as a team. And I, and I, I guess I wasn't probably focusing on that at the time until my advisor, which this is a common story, I guess, with some student affairs folks where my advisor sat me down and said, you know, this is a job, right? And I thought, yeah, I'm an idiot. I never even thought about that as something that I could be doing, you know, I just was thinking in the here and now. And so I said, what do I got to do? And she said, grad, you know, grad school. And I was like, oh yeah, I was not thinking about really going to Mm. grad school. So then I had to rethink that. And, um, so I thought, well, yeah, let's, let's see how this works. Well, right at the time I graduated college, I was going to university, North Carolina, Asheville. So it was a small school in the mountains of North Carolina. Um, my parents, my dad got a job director of diving programs for NOAA. So he moved all the way out to Seattle, Washington. Um, and we were following him and I decided to look for grad school out there. So I ended up at Western Washington University in Bellingham, uh, Washington, which is like one end of the country to the other. And it's like 15 miles from the Canadian border. So it's literally like oh, wow. <laughs> huge, huge change culturally and everything else. Um, it was a one-year program, which was amazing. It doesn't exist anymore, so don't look for it. <laughs> um, I was very sad to learn that they they got rid of it. But it was a student personnel administration program within their school of education. Um, so I did that for a year. I was like a student advisor to the associated – no, yeah, associated students. We have a student association here at Binghamton, but this was associated students. So that was an interesting experience for me because if you haven't heard of those before – Associated students, I mean, they run the show. So when we looked at the chain of command, I mean, it was literally like the students of the executive board and then right underneath them was like the director of the union and they were in charge of the bookstore and all these kinds of things. So I didn't even realize that was a possibility in the world. So that was very eye-opening. And then, um, so I got my master's and then I was like, okay, what am I going to do? So I did what a lot of student activities people do at first. I did some residence life and I worked two years at the North Carolina School of the Arts, actually in the high school program. There's a high school and a college there in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. And my brother had, had spent his senior there for drama. Actually, he went to school, tidbit, with Anthony Mackey. Oh, like cool. Big movie star now. <laughs> he's probably the only person out of that high school class that like went on to be something. But um Yeah, he's the Falcon, man. He's, he's it's the awesome. Falcon, yeah. I know. My brother's like, that's the Falcon. 
Um, so that's cool. So, yeah, so I, I worked there for two years in residence life. Um, I tried to work as much as I could with student activities. I did some proms, <laughs> which was funny. Mm. Uh, we had some proms and some other events like that. And then I had gone to a wedding in New Orleans, and I thought, I need to live here. I, I mean, I'm going to keep my eye out. And I didn't really think that would ever happen. But uh, after having been at the School of the Arts for two years, there was a job at Loyola University, New Orleans. And the real world New Orleans had just been there. So I was like, man, everybody in the world is going to apply for this job. I don't have a chance. But I got it. And I was very, very excited <laughs> to work. Um, it, was a, it was a Jesuit institution down in New Orleans. And I was there for six years doing uh, – student activities and I was an assistant director and then I got bumped up to associate director and I started supervising the Greek um, person there um, and then Hurricane Katrina happened which is like a whole other podcast um, we were closed for the fall semester and we came back in spring and at that point right about the time that had all happened kind of within before then really um, I had gotten married um, you know, uh, my husband and I were like, do we want to stay in New Orleans forever, especially after this just happened? We decided no. Um, my boss was really young, so there, there wasn't a chance that I was going to be moving up anytime soon. So I started looking for positions. And there weren't a lot of associate director positions, which is why I feel like this topic uh, is is something that is near and dear to my heart because associate director is kind of like a mid-level management type position. Um and I always joke with new professionals, like, be careful of going associate because you can't go back. Because <laughs> um, when I started looking for jobs out of New Orleans, I would apply for assistant director positions. And they'd say, well, why do you want to do that? You know, why, why would you want to go from associate to assistant? Because I said, well, it's not about the title. It's about the job and mm -hmm. that kind of thing. So I had a really hard time. So this was one of the few associate positions, actually, um, that were out there at the time. And I had never heard of Binghamton, New York. I had been to New York City once in my life. Uh, so I came out here for the, for the job interview and I really liked it and, uh, no natural disasters, good cost of living, mm. all those things that I was looking for <laughs> at this point in my career. So that's how I ended up at Binghamton and I've been here. This is my 10th year right now. So I've been here for a while now. Cool. Yeah. It's nice to hear kind of your full story there. And, yeah, um, I'm all over the place. <laughs> no, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I mean, well, I grew up in North Carolina, but I've lived like all over the place. I've only not lived like in the Southwest. Well, I suppose the Midwest I haven't either, but. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. You've been at like different places is to get very different uh, experiences in terms of just the environment and the culture and, you know, different institutions and stuff. But and it definitely lets um, you know, like, you know, there's there's so much difference with way the institutions can be in the world and not just between, you know, community colleges and here and small schools and large schools. I mean, just culturally, different parts of the country are completely different as well. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Um, so, you know, you've been in this position for, um, you know, a long time now. Yeah. What is it about it that you enjoy? Because, I mean, you obviously have had to have enjoyed something about it to be there for, you know, almost sure. like around 10 years and stuff. What are some, maybe some anecdotes or just aspects of the job that kind of keep you in it and keep you um, engaged? Right, right, right. Um, well, definitely one of the reasons I was attracted to this position, not so much just Binghamton in general living here, but the position was that I'd always attended or worked at small institutions. Now, some people would still think Binghamton with it being like 16,000 people is not as large as some institutions, but to me, it's big. Um, and in campus activities, one of the things that they're always asking you is what's the biggest concert you've ever done? And like, what kind of concerts have you put on? And this is, this tends to be like, you know, some sort of badge of honor. Mm -hmm. And um, at the time, before coming here, the largest one I had ever done was a 2,000-person outdoor concert in New Orleans with the Roots. But this was like back, you know, pre-Jimmy Fallon, <laughs> Roots, uh, uh, you know, in the two, in 2000 or whatever it was. So um, that's one of those things that you just feel like, oh, I'm never going to – I need to be able to say I've had these big concerts, which is just ridiculous to me. And I always say this to people because I'm like, if you're really good at details and you're really good at event planning, it doesn't matter if it's 20 people or 2,000 or 20,000 people. I mean, it's, it's all the same elements. I mean, it's just more work or whatever, but you just got to have your details. Yeah. I think the same thing happens with, like, residence life people. are just like, how big of a community did you ever see? Yeah, <laughs> like <laughs> How many people when you're building? How many RAs did you have? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so Binghamton, I knew I was going to get a chance to put on bigger events and we have, I mean, I'm, I've seen Foo Fighters and Drake and, um, oh, man. we even had, uh, well, I'm not gonna be able to think of his name, thinking about too hard, but anyway, um, 
old timey guy. He's like, like a rolling stone. Who's that? Bob Dylan. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> there go. <laughs> you got it. You got it. Yeah. Uh, Bob Dylan. So yeah. So I've we've gotten to have some pretty awesome shows. We've have about seven thousand. But like like I said, I've I've kind of done that now, so I don't feel like I need to have bigger shows. It's like well, I've I've had some pretty big show so i'm happy with that um but my, but the one of the j- parts of my job besides the concerts and those are always different i'm in charge of the event security staff and that is amazing because i'm like i'm only five feet tall <laughs> little short white woman and like i get to work with this completely diverse staff of men and fierce ladies who are basically like you know your bouncers <laughs> at a concert mm-hmm. and then the people in the pit in the very front of the stage and people you know checking bags when they come in into the buildings and stuff so that's that's been really awesome that wasn't anything i knew i would get a chance to do but it's been really fun yeah well and then like something that kind of came to my mind with this uh show topic what's your interaction like with students because i think as we're kind of delving into this topic i think that's why there's sort of a crisis for some people is that definitely um, absolutely absolutely so getting to work with with that group of students is amazing for me the event security staff because it's event it's students that I would probably not have any interactions with in a normal day and probably most of the people in this in this office as well um, we tend to bring in students who actually live off campus who are not very involved on campus so it gives them a way to kind of be a part of what's happening and the, the big events and stuff which is really cool I don't have a student staff other than that um, I do the large campus-wide events on campus and I usually tend to work with the biggest student organizations mostly Black Student Union and the programming board but the way the programming board is here they're part of the student association so the student association is a fully incorporated business that works with the university but they're not just just hold on to your hats here we're a little different here the student organizations are not required to have advisors they have the student association is overseeing all the student organizations. They have their own lawyer. They have an executive director that used to be my boss who retired and went to go work for them. Um, so it's a little different here at Binghamton. And so they are kind of forced to work with me, which is why I talk a lot about forging relationships with students and student organizations mm-hmm. because I don't want it to be like they have to work with me. I mean, they do, but, you know, I try to make it like, but it's fun and <laughs> we're going to have a good time. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, whenever they put on these large concerts, it's their events. And I'm so I describe it to other people like I'm kind of like the wedding planner of campus because the students have this event they want to put on and I just facilitate the process. Um so when I get a chance to do that, but it's still only like a few students, um, the president of the programming board or the, um, yeah, or, or the, like the hospitality chair or the, you know, like, so there's a few core people. But for three years, I when I was here at Binghamton, my f- first couple of years in, the late night Binghamton person, um, we have a late night program here. He left to get a quote unquote real job with his MBA which he's actually been very successful with. <laughs> but when he left, I had to do it for three years because there was a hiring freeze with New York State. So that was that was fun because um, I had done programming board when I was at Loyola, and so I came here and I got a chance to do that a little bit again with, with Late Night. But ever since then, it's been back to the only student staff that I really have are the, are the events, event security staff. So yes, so that definitely there's days when I'm like, you know, it's like one of those things where you say, if I wasn't doing this job, what would I do, right? So you joke like, I would go work at Barnes & Noble or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's days when I say, man, I just wish having, I, mean, I just miss having a student group to work with or um, go, you know, it'd be nice to go back and, and do the late night board again or, or have the programming board to be the advisor again. Um, but then there's like, then I think about it and it's like, oh yeah, right. But now I have a house and a kid and a husband and I don't have as much weekend and you know nights and weekends to do that as as easily right. as i did before um so, so I, yeah. I mean just yeah so you you have kind of your hands on to stuff and work closely with students and stuff so i guess it that's sort of as we're defining it kind of being like mm-hmm. mid-career like mid-level kind of management sort of thing um mm-hmm. like and just to add specifically do you supervise any like full-time professional staff members in the office <laughs> I did. I was I was in charge of the late night Binghamton. Okay. Festival. Yeah. Okay. Um, it recently, just this year, there's been some structural changes, and so um, the the late night program is just under question. We've had it for for just a really long time, and I think 
um, upper administration is trying to understand what they want to do with it. Do they want to keep it? Do they want to try s some new forms? So they actually put it under residence life this year because my boss used to be the dean of students, but now my boss is the director of residence life slash uh, associate dean of students. She was bumped up to associate dean of students. So there's now a le another level. Um, and so with her being the director of residence life, the, the concept was, can we take this late night program and have it be in the union, but also maybe extend it and have it in the residence communities as well. So, uh, so we're trying that, but, um, yeah, so I don't supervise them anymore, but I did for a number of years. So, yeah, so I have more time for some other, other things now. I'm doing some yearbook and, uh, some building manager type work with the union. So, gotcha. um, so I think what, you know, there's sort of, a uh, kind of a, a matzo ball hanging out here for like yeah. mid-level management stuff. So I think people, like you said, like with the sort of the associate director role is that you can't really go back from that. It's a certain yes. level. That's kind of the middle, Absolutely. middle level and not overseeing an, an entire office necessarily. But, okay. you know, in, in the most basic sense, like how would you define that crisis and like, what are the symptoms? Cause I think some people sure. there are in kind of like an awkward career phase when they're at well, like that kind of associate director level, absolutely. I guess. So yeah, I got any just ideas about that. Well, if you bear with me a little bit, I, I just turned 40 last week. So I, I've been looking at and doing research on midlife crisis, um, yeah. which I think can relate to mid-career crisis. Um, one of the, the things that, you know, you always think of when you hear midlife crisis, like, oh, it's some 50-year-old guy buying a sports car. But when I was 39, I turned 39, I think it's there's some comedian, I can't remember his name right now, but he has a whole spiel, a whole joke, jokes upon jokes about being 39 because mm -hmm. you know 40 is coming and how much worse 39 is than actually turning 40. <laughs> um, but I, I started doing some research, and actually midlife crisis, you know, you typically can be 35 to 55. And, um, you know, there could be people mid-career that are in that age group and mid-career can mean different things to different people. I think, um, could that mean mid-level management? And like, I, I know for ACUI, the Association of College Unions International, there has been a lot of discussion about, well, who is middle management? Does that mean you're a director, but you're under the VP? And like, to me, no, because I'm like, <laughs> like I said, that associate director is kind of a weird place. So I feel like, yeah, I'm totally in the middle because I'm not a new professional. I'm not a director, you know, um, that kind of thing. But when you look up midlife crisis, a lot of the things are, are kind of similar to what I would say are symptoms of mid-career crisis. And some of it might be kind of related depending on where you are in your life. But, um, you know, changes in habits, mood swings, um, impulsive decision making. Um, some people go through, you know, bad sleeping habits, obsession with your appearance. Um, Disconnecting from old friends, getting younger friends, feeling tied down, no chance of change. I've uh, stuck in a rut. I think that's definitely something that's a symptom of a mid-career crisis, feeling like you're stuck in a rut. Or, um, I know for me, like I said, I, I'll, I'll just be straight with a lot of this. Um, you know, once you buy a house and you have a kid, then it's it's way harder to just pick up and leave mm -hmm. and move. Um, and then you have you know your spouse, and then you have to think about you know, a spouse, partner, you know, whatever. I mean, if you're with somebody else, you got to think about what, what are they going to do? And this is not just about you anymore. It's about a lot more people. So stuck in a rut can be my job. I'm doing the same thing after 10 years. Please, Jesus, do I have to do one more spring fling? Or it can mean, you know, even more than that. It can be in addition to that. Well, it's not like I can leave because these are the factors that I have going on with me. Um, I know a lot of folks, uh, local folks who have grown up here in Binghamton and they've gone to school here and they've gone to graduate school. I mean, they're like, I live here and this, this is where I'm going to be. So I've got to find jobs here. And so I think the older you get and the fewer opportunities for moving up, I think that weighs on people a whole lot. Um, so yeah, so thoughts of death or dying. I know several people, um, we were just kind of talk. I just went to an ACY regional conference in Philly and it came up like offhand from conversations where people would say, well, my father just passed away or, you know, different people <clears throat> in your life are starting to die. Or I know there's been like five deaths here on campus of just people who were like physical facilities workers that I knew and then they retired and then they passed away or like whatever. And that's just been kind of a crisis that's been happening mm. to all of us. So um, you know, there could be some depression there. There could be increased consumption of alcohol. Um, 
bored, listless, trying to find other people to blame for things that are going on. There could be recent you know, trauma with other people that you know that's weighing heavy on you. I have a cousin who just is 37 and, and has gotten ALS. And I found that out right about the same time that I got pink eye, which is like, how is that related? Um, I had pink eye so bad that I was in bed for like 10 days. Mm. And I'm in bed for 10 days and I'm just thinking about her, like thinking about this is where she's going to, I mean, ALS, um, Lou Gehrig's disease, eventually your muscles don't work anymore and you're just, you know, you can't move. And um, so I just kept thinking about that. I mean, that's terribly depressing to think about for mm-hmm. days and days and days. Um, but this, this is this is where you start, you know, your mind starts going. So these are all the bad things. These are all the bad, you know, like you said, symptoms of, of some of this. But um, I think there's ways to kind of you know move past that or or try to at least recognize that you're doing that and I think for me that's one of the reasons I found myself kind of researching this because like I said when I turned 39 I was like I'm gonna buy a car because I can now because I have one child and I'm only having one child and so she's grown up a little bit more now she's almost seven so um, she's a much teeny tiny baby so she's not gonna destroy the car (laughs) so Mm -hmm. we can actually you know now it's time to actually buy a car and I think um women mid-career have some certain challenges as well and that was kind of coming out there was a parent session and um it was interesting to talk this this past weekend at this conference about um parenting and campus activities in the union field and with the nights and weekends and our schedules um how does that play out with with our families and and i think that sometimes women go through that um pretty significantly in terms of they have kids and so I'm, all, I'm I'm kind of past that hump now because, like I said, my daughter is seven and she's in first grade. But I can remember when I was doing late night events and I had just had a, a kid and I was just back to work. And you're like, I would rather be at home right now than mm-hmm. be here at this late night event. And um, I think sometimes there's some mid-career struggle there, especially if it's an older mom thinking like, oh, do I want to keep doing this and how much time do I take off? And um, then there's other things when you get past that, you've actually had the child and you figured that stuff out. But then there's like trying to get, this, this could be fair, a, a parent, you know, either parent, the, you know, man or woman or partner or whatever, you know, trying to get into shape again, trying to make it all work, um, trying not to compare yourselves to other moms going, oh my God, look at all the amazing stuff they're able to do because they're able to do this, this, and this, and this, you know, um, but you can't compare. I mean, that's just like a life lesson anyway. You just can't compare yourself to anybody because you have – nobody wants what you want. Nobody has what you have. You've got to find the things that, that make you happy mm-hmm. and try not to – because especially with social media. I notice that a lot of times. People are like, oh, look. Because um, the marathons – I know a lot of people on social media that I follow, they're always running marathons. <laughs> and I'm like, you know what? I would not be running a marathon because I don't run. Yeah. And no matter how many pictures I see of your lovely I'm at Disney World running this marathon that looks really fun I'm like I'm still not going to run a marathon so you know but you have the subconscious like everyone's running marathons and I'm like nope not me um, yeah, I think that is, that is like a sort of crisis sort of moment, though, is like when you're thinking about all these things and you're seeing people do like, you know, like their, yes. their highlight reel on social media or something or. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that that it comes to a point, too, where I from for me, I had to say, like, I've always been very I know exactly what I want to do. And I've always been able to manage to do the things I want to do. Um, I'm not one of these people who's like by 25, I'm going to do this. But there was definitely like a progression. Okay. I want to be an advisor of the programming board. So I'm going to go to grad school. I go to grad school. Okay. I've got to get a job. Well, end up being a little non-traditional, do some residence life. Okay. But now I'm going to go and do campus activities. And so I did that, you know, now I'm going to go over here and do some bigger stuff, bigger events. Then you kind of stall out (laughs) because then you're like, Hmm. Well, let's see. Both the director of the union and the director of activities have retired since I've come here. And yet, in both instances, um, the decision was made by people other than myself to not fill those positions as a cost savings, as a way of restructuring. Um, So currently, there's no director of student activities and there's no director of the union here at Binghamton. Um, It's not personal. It has nothing to do with me, so I've been told. (laughs) But, you know, you're going, hmm, okay, well, here's two opportunities that I thought I would have that I did not have. And then you start getting grumpy and you start thinking like, 
maybe I want to leave, whatever. But then, you know, can you leave? Like we talked, like I mentioned before, what's your situation? And, um, and I think that sometimes that starts making you question what you're doing. Last year, I had an opportunity to work with the vice president as the division of student affairs communications coordinator. And at the time, um, I had been working on the communications team for two years, but that he wanted to kind of restructure it a little bit and focus on bringing together many people in the division who just work on communications. So like they're, for instance, the civic engagement communications coordinator, which means I do like social media and stuff. So there's a couple of, of offices who have been able to very luckily hire their own communications person. So he wanted to bring all those people together and that was kind of my job. Well, after a year we did a good job and they're like, well, you know, there's going to be some changes over the union, so you can go back to doing that. Well, at the time, that whole last year I did that, I started thinking, maybe this is something I want to do. I really like social media. I really like this concept of working with student affairs as a communications person. It's not something that's, uh, it's a new kind of a concept. I know Ed Cabellan does that mm -hmm. at Bridgewater State, and he was the same thing as me. He was interested in, you know, he was the director of the union, and he had this opportunity to do this. So I saw that kind of mirroring some of the um, experiences he had. So I thought, maybe this is it. You know, maybe this is something that I want to do. But then as soon as things started changing, you know, I had to be flexible and adaptable to be like, okay, well, again, that started the process, but I think that's more what he wanted was just something to start that process because he wanted to hire a full-time person, but he wasn't able to get the funding. Mm -hmm. So that's not an opportunity <laughs> anymore. Uh, we were hoping it would be, but not. But even if it was, I, I was struggling there. I was like, do I, would I want to go that direction? Do I want to stay in activities? Um, another one that I can share, there was an opportunity to make bank. I'm not going to go specific. I'm sure it can be Googled if anybody really wanted to know. We have a position that they're doing a search for right now for the events center, um, which is a big, it's a field house, it's, it's athletics, uh, it's an athletic building, but that's where we have all of our big events and our concerts. And the person who runs that building um, just left. And so I had many people like, oh, you're going to, you know, apply for that job, right? Because it pays like a ton of money. Um, so I had to do a lot of soul searching there. And again, it was like, not just jumping and I'm old enough now to just not jump at an opportunity just because of the pay. I started to really, like I said, do some soul searching on this one and started thinking about it um, because it would be an assistant athletic, associate athletic director. So it's not just like a building manager um, that puts on events. I mean, this is, this is an athletic position. Um, it would be a different field. And even though you schedule these concerts, the majority of what this person does is scheduling practices and games and all this kind of stuff. And I came to the realization that, yeah, the money's pretty sweet, but um, I think I like the creative end of what I do in campus activities when I have the opportunity to create and not facilitate. And I don't think scheduling events and I, I mean I have to be honest I mean I, I, I enjoy some sports but I honestly am not a sports person mm -hmm. so you know but I know other people on campus who are applying because again that money that money is talking to them and I'm not judging but for me it, it couldn't be about the money it had to be about well what am I going to do day to day you know I'm old enough now to look back and go well I know what I like to do and you know and having some self-reflective moments of you know I like being creative I don't think scheduling you know, the soccer field is going to be very creative. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and then people are like, well, you know, what if you could do anything, what would you do? If you could be in any kind of environment, what would that be? And I think for, you know, for many years, I, I didn't know. Um, but the longer I think about it, I mean, I would love to go back to an art school. There aren't very many um, out there or places where I feel like my family and I could go where there would be opportunities for my husband. But um I loved working at the School of the Arts just because it was so creative. It was dancers and uh, graphic design. I mean, they're just musicians, and just to be surrounded by that is is amazing. So, um, yeah, but you have yeah. to know yourself, and you have to know where your boundaries are and your limits and, and that kind of thing. But I think the thing that people forget about a lot of times is that as – we work with students we're always thinking about their development we never think about our own development like ever mm. you know there's like development theories for adult learners and some different stuff like that but i think we have to think about our own development in terms of what 
what do we need to work on, you know? And I encourage people, if you haven't done strengths quests, I'm a huge strengths quest person to do strengths quests, which kind of helps sometimes. Cause, um, mine are like, I have this weird, scary mix of like individualism, developer, maximizer, which means every individual person that I meet, I'm trying to like develop and maximize them. But I also have a ranger. So it's one of those things where my passion is probably working with students and developing and maximizing, but I'm also have this strength and this talent with arranging just because I've been doing it for so long. So event planning is my strength, but the part that I like is in integrating all that with working with students. And so focusing on that and trying to like, how can I work with students more and how can I be creative more and that kind of thing and having those conversations with myself. Even when other people think you're crazy or you talk to your partner about it all the time, they're like, that's nice. <laughs> like my <laughs> husband's a mechanic. He's a diesel mechanic. So he's literally in another world for me, which is actually kind of good because he's very quiet all day long and I'm jibber jabber all day long. So we come home and we switch and I don't talk and he talks and, you know, so I'll tell him something and he's like, oh, that's good. I had to do something with the, the whatever. <laughs> he talks about the mechanics of something and I have no idea what he's talking about. I'm like, oh no. And he's like, yeah, I had to pull the whole thing out. And I'm like, great. I don't know. So we're equally clueless. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Cause I, I don't know the first thing about cars either. So it would just be like, <laughs> sure. Yeah. I mean, that, I guess that makes sense. But, um, <laughs> uh, so I mean, yeah, you've kind of gone into, and I guess we'll just delve into a little more detail if there's anything else you want to highlight, but cause you've, you know, you're noting about doing kind of this is soul searching and kind of dipping your feet into other things and uh, figuring out what's important for you. What are those boundaries? What are the, uh, the possibilities and the opportunities that are out there? Cause, um, something that I'm curious about, we've talked about, you know, what the symptoms of kind of a mid career crisis would be of kind of that, you know, that anxious energy and kind of being impulsive and kind of being salient about like, you know, where your life is going and what you've done, what you want to do. Um, what what can professionals do for themselves to like avoid or alleviate you know the, these kind of quote unquote symptoms of a right. you know, kind of mid career crisis? And what can we do if like you know uh, you know we're supervising someone or we're working with somebody and they're kind of going through this? Because um, I, I sort of have my ideas and sort of a, a leading question. I, I kind of know what the answer no is going to be, but I want to see what you say of just like you sure. know helping each other, helping ourselves work through these things. And you've kind of noted some strategies already, but just anything else that you'd want to note and maybe maybe some resources or something. I think um, you have to be a little bit selfish to take some time for yourself to think this through and, and sharing what you're going through. Um, I, I think, for instance, you know, okay, so you're, maybe you're doing some of the soul searching, you're thinking about things, you're writing them down. I think sharing that with other people, and maybe that doesn't mean your immediate coworkers, maybe that means colleagues that you've met through a professional organization, maybe that means your family, like whatever support groups that you have. Um, preferably somebody who's on the outside, you know, just kind of, am I, am I, you know, how does this sound, Do I, you know, and, and that kind of thing, just kind of having that chance for yourself, but being, like I said, being a little bit selfish in terms of, I need to take some time to, to think about this and um, to share that if you do have, you know, somebody, a partner where, you know, um, where are you at with this and having those, and so for parent, you know, I was, I, we, we joked at this thing about parents and having date nights and, and that kind of thing. Um, we don't have, my, my husband and I have no family anywhere near here, so we don't really have date nights. But now that Bailey's a little bit older, we're able to take her to parent night out things. Um, and then this is when we have these conversations. And so I agree with them that anytime you and your partner can have conversations um, in terms of relationships and marriages, I mean, this is, this is really important stuff. But I would say some stuff you can do to start being selfish for yourself and start doing it, like rewriting your goals and ambitions and, and not being scared to throw away all the old ones. Um, whether that be like, I thought I would be doing this by 40 or I thought that I, by the time I turned 25 or the, you know, whatever this age thing, um, just trying to say, what do you like to do? Um, just start kind of writing that stuff down, be ready to, move away from any comfort zones that you've started. Um, you know, look at some things that you've never looked at before. Like I said, I mean, just because I've rejected a few, I mean, <laughs> doesn't mean, you know, what if, what if I did apply for the, uh, you know, event center position, um, and maybe athletics was, you know, what if that was an interesting option, um, to take those into consideration? Cause maybe that's something that comes out of left field, um, you know, that you never really considered. My father was in the Navy, 
no, he was in the army and he had a chance to work with the Navy doing some, um, diving, like not like off a diving board, but like, you know, under the ocean kind mm-hmm. of stuff, mm-hmm. like the old thing with like, you know, the big helmet and the tube coming out the top, like that kind of stuff. And that led to an entire career for him. So he's always been a model of that for me in terms of, you never know where you're going to end up. You might start with one thing and, and come out another. And, and there's lots of conversation I know on social media about people who get out of student affairs and they get out of this, that, and the other, and being supportive of that. And I think that's really important too. I know a ton of people, half of people, <laughs> that are references on my reference list they say like former dean of students or former director Mm -hmm. (laughs) because a lot of people i know are not actually in the field anymore and they're doing other things with their skills and the talents that they have um i think having confidence in yourself and recognizing your abilities and your strengths and knowing what you bring to the table because i think sometimes if you get pushed down long enough, like opportunities aren't arising and you don't feel like you're appreciated or you don't feel like you've had a chance to move up or you've been overlooked or, you know, you wanted to be on a committee, didn't, you know, you start to doubt yourself and that's really painful. And I, I would hate for anybody to have to go through that, but I know people do all the time and looking at it and going, no, you really are good at those things that you know you're good at. Mm -hmm. And, And just because you didn't get on one particular committee or, you know, this particular whatever, position didn't come through or or whatever that that's that's not always about you and that's not all about things that you can control and so don't forget what you love and what you're good at so um yeah I don't know I guess those are and and be excited about the the possibilities and and make your make those possibilities you know what what can you do instead of just saying oh I can't I can't do this and I can't do that because yeah I mean I've been there more than some people you know like well I'm not going to be the director of campus activities right now I'm not going to be the director even what can I do well I can have a conversation with my boss about how eventually I would like to work with the union more and she says okay well here let's why don't you start working with the student building managers okay there we go like every bit Mm -hmm. counts and just because I'm not the director of the union right now today you know whatever (laughs) like you have to reevaluate like it's okay. Like, who, what are you judging this against? Like, what, somebody else? Like, other people that have different positions? It's like, you, you can't. Yeah. Well, I think, yeah, that's like a big thing for um, people who supervise people out there, yes. like making space for that kind of self-discovery or connecting people with those opportunities that they want to get. Because that is like a, a huge thing that, yeah, some people will get that stuck feeling where it's like, you know, this is all that I'm good at. This is all that I can do. But then once they start you know, cultivating other skills or Absolutely. other opportunities. They're like, okay, I do have some like agency here. I could, I could do something else that I want and I've thought about it, but I, and I want to stay here or I do, yes. you know, I've thought about it and I want to do something else or something like that. So, um, I yeah, think that, that's a huge thing. like, oh, you're still there? Yeah. And you know what? I'm okay with that. Yeah. Yeah. Cause like <laughs> some people, it's like, you're I, trying to make me feel like it's not okay. But <laughs> yeah. That it's okay. Then it is okay. Yeah. Yeah. Cause yeah, that's some people assume it's like, you know, that you haven't thought about it. It's like, why are you still there? It's like, well, I don't know. I haven't thought about it. It's like, it's like, no, I've really put some conscious thought into it. And like, <laughs> right, right, right. I know for like what you said about like mid level management sort of stuff of like, you know, that some people might uh, seek to get into a position like an associate director because they're still sort of close to the student body. I kind of have a close yeah. uh, connection with that and not too far up because, you know, some people don't want to be, you know, the associate vice supreme, you know, chancellor of whatever. And they're like, exactly. th- they're like 30,000 feet up. And it's like, I assume that this is what students want. I haven't really interacted with a student for several years. So it's like, yes. I don't know, you know, what's going on kind of thing. Like some people want that, some people don't. And, you know, that's, that's the idea too, of like giving that conscious thought and also knowing that, um, you're saying like the competence piece that you have, the agency, you have the skills, you're marketable, you're a competitive candidate to like change if you want to and just, you know, give that sort of soul searching thought of like, is this what I want to do? Yes, it is. No, it isn't. You know, and I have the ability to change it. But, you know, some people want to change, but they don't have the confidence to feel like and, they and could yeah, make exactly. that change. Being con- like you said, confidence. And, and if somebody's like, well, wait, you're not applying for that job. I mean, like having the confidence to go, you know what, do I have the skills for that job? Absolutely. Do I think I would thrive in an environment of athletics? Absolutely not. <laughs> yeah. And being able to just like brush it off. Like, no, well, you know, if people are like weirded out by it. That's, that's them. Mm-hmm. You know, they're seeing whatever part of it that they're seeing that has nothing yeah. to do. The other part, which I'm not even going to get into, but I mean, I'm going to mention it is, is people deciding some point to get their PhDs. Mm. And that's a whole other kind of discussion. But, um, 
that's not something that I feel like I want to do anytime soon. But, you know, there's days when, I mean, there's been years when, you know, way back when I was like, I don't really feel like I want to be a director for the same reasons we were just talking about in terms of like, I want to work with students, blah, blah, blah. But you get older and things change. And again, that's why you have to always be reevaluating because um, there could be a moment when you're all of a sudden like, you know what, I just feel like I want to get my PhD or you might be like, okay, I'm ready now. Now I really do want to be a director and being ready for those experiences, um, you know, when they come. So, yeah, 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 because that's a good point, too. Just like reevaluating your goals could be later in life. And it's like, well, these were the goals of 25 year old me. Like, yes. and it is yes. a very different than where I am now. So that's, that's, well, and it could be thing. too, you know, this is where, you know, I, but you don't know. Like, you think, like, okay, this is where I wanted to be when I'm 40. But you're like, but when you were thinking about that, you were probably like 25 or 30, and you maybe didn't have the things that you have now. You don't have the family, you don't have the whatever, you know, it is. And so you couldn't even imagine what your life was going to be mm-hmm. like. So it's like, yeah, it's nice to have plans and goals, but you always have to make sure they're still relevant. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Well, there's another thing I'll mention is sort of the the way to cultivate other possibilities and maybe they lead into uh, more fulfilling Mm -hmm. uh, jobs and stuff is just like um, we've done episodes before on like side hustles and sort of fostering different things. I I do now have a side hustle. I finally have time for a side hustle. (laughs) But I got Um, really depressed because as you probably know, I I do some uh, embroidery and I really got into doing some Star Wars embroidery and I started an Etsy shop and I was really excited and I haven't sold a darn thing. That's fine. Um, But... I, I was going to do a Han Solo, and I was so excited. So I started stitching this Han Solo, and I did the hardest part last, which is the face. Mm-hmm. And he came out horrible. It was the <laughs> ugliest. I mean, I, and like, you can kind of try to reset. Like, no matter how much, I, it just got worse and worse. So it was so sad. So I set, away, I set it aside for a while because I was like, I'm so depressed over Han Solo looking yeah. so bad. Well, I mean, it's just yeah, like a creative outlet is good, and sometimes like it, you know, like I said, it could go into like a, a sustainable like career or something. But it at least lets you like explore things with a little risk. If like you just start writing and you don't yeah. need to like invest money or a whole lot of time into it, that can start like uh, giving some fulfillment outside of work. If it's like you know, like okay, maybe I'm thinking I might want to do something else. Let me start dabbling in embroidery. Let me start dabbling in writing. Mm-hmm. Let me start dabbling in right. you know, a lot photography. Of write. There's a lot of great um, people um, doing some, you know writing so well that they've got Amazon books out. That's, mm-hmm. that's great. Yeah. Um, like I said, we got marathon runners, we've got book writers, <laughs> we've got bloggers, you know, out there in the student affairs world. So that's really exciting. The other thing I was going to say, actually, to kind of, if you have an opportunity to talk to folks who are either going into a student affairs program or undergrads who are thinking about it, that's an awesome conversation to have because, um, we have a student affairs program. It's very, very new here at Binghamton, but every year there's one professor who invites us to, well, me to come talk about campus activities and what are the hot topics. And it's just fabulous every single year. It's like a breath of fresh air because you have to explain why, why are you doing this? <laughs> How did you get into mm-hmm. this? And, um, what do you like about it? And what are the topics? And, you know, and it's acknowledging like, Hey, you're the expert on this. And sometimes you don't feel like you get that that recognition you know you're going here and you're like you are these students are learning that for Binghamton you know I am the person that does campus activities and -hmm. I just had a conversation with a student who's an undergrad who was interested in going into it and she wanted to do event she's like I'm really into event planning but I feel like I want to work with students so having those conversations and helping them think through it as well can be can be great too I think for a mid-level person thinking about why am I still doing this why am I still here it's like this is why these are these are the conversations I love having yeah yeah just figuring out your values and figuring out what's mm-hmm. most important and stuff um well and as we start to, to wrap up um mm-hmm. what are just some resources if there's anything else that you want to highlight that maybe would help uh folks kind of you know do some self-discovery or um right. maybe just highlight some uh you know some side hustles out there that you think are uh, <laughs> noteworthy just anything that you know sort yeah. of gets people rolling on kind of figuring out their a, values and stuff that i saw when i was doing some of this research i haven't read the book yet um called mid-career crisis and that sounds pretty awesome i was reading a real quick um, article about it where they actually talk about some some different symptoms um, which all sounded kind of negative but there's also ways to overcome it, it was just a very quick article that I read so that that kind of interested me mid-career crisis and looks like it's Partha <laughs> I can't even say this person's name last name B-A-S-U um, so that looks like that could be a good read the other thing the books that I've been reading um, Thrive by Arianna Huffington is a really great read and it's not like 
um, super academic or anything like that because, you know, she's a communications type person. So she writes on a, a level that everybody is very fast read. But it, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's cool in terms of um, talking about breathing and, and just, you know, searching yourself. And, and it's kind of um, spiritual, I suppose, in nature, which isn't usually my bag. But it's just a real easy read and it, it makes you feel good. And it's just about thinking about, you know, yourself and what you're doing, you know, that little bit of that selfishness I was talking about. So that's, that's a really good read. Um, just in general. And like I said, Strengths Quest, if you haven't done Strengths mm-hmm. Quest. Um, and let me try to think of the other one. There was another one I've been reading. I don't know. Those are the ones I can think off the top of my head, honestly. I should have, I should have wrote down. No, I mean, if you, if you think of anything else, we can, uh, include it in the show notes. If you just want to send it along, uh, later, but, yeah. um, yeah, and I guess as we wrap up, just any kind of poignant uh, final thoughts, we'll end as we always do with those, and um, just something to wrap the episode up with. I would just say, don't lose hope. Don't forget who you are. Uh, you're better than you probably feel you are sometimes, and um, you know, reach out to the make make a network. Reach out to the, your network because um, they know they know how good you are, mm. and. Uh, have those people in your life. Oh, at, we have, we call them, um, CEOs, your chief encouraging officer. Make sure <laughs> nice. you have a CEO. I have at least two people that we're all mutual CEOs of each other. And that can make the difference. I mean that you're, you know, you're having one of those days and somebody says, no, you're awesome. You're CEO. And you're like, awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what you need to do. Find a CEO. Great. Yeah. I love that. I love that message. Um, <laughs> Yeah, and I think you know this is a it's a good conversation. I really uh, appreciate you having it with me about kind of just figuring out uh, your place in the world, and mm-hmm. you know those like kind of mid career, midlife crisis kind of stuff. It's uh, I don't know, we've gotten into some like unique concepts for episodes lately, and I like it because it's like focusing mm-hmm. on like other duties as assigned as like yeah. that's like a whole episode and talking about that and that was like a really cool conversation you probably have to see like a session at, um, you know on on this at naspa so yeah yeah so that's cool we can, yeah we're gonna have the conversations <laughs> here so um jennifer appreciate you taking the time out to chat for this episode and uh, it's all good stuff and you can find uh, uh everybody listening you can find all cool stuff we talked about in the show notes for this episode and uh yeah i encourage you to connect with jennifer if you want to keep the conversation going so um, yeah, Jennifer, have a good rest of your day. Thank you. And, uh, yeah, I'll talk to you later. Sounds great. Thank you, Dustin. All right, bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the podcast. If you want to help us out, leave us a review and rating on Stitcher or iTunes, or just share out the show so other people can find all the cool stuff we talk about every single week. Again, thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time on the student affairs, spectacular podcast.